0: Hello, my name's David Oakes and you are listening to Trees A Crowd. Now, we're going to do things a little differently this week. For back in March of 2022, at the request of the Landmark Trust, I was invited to pay a visit to an island off the north coast of Devon. Now, the Landmark Trust is primarily interested in historical building conservation, be it castles, forts, lunatic asylums, or in this case, lighthouses, and then making said historic buildings available to rent by history buffs, Jane Austen obsessies, natural history podcasters, all of the above, etc. But back in 1969, in cahoots with our National Trust, they did something even more spectacular. Rather than simply preserving history and then housing people with elegance, they set about restoring an entire island village and, in the process, helped protect an entire island habitat. This island is called Lundy. It is very small, only about half a mile wide at its widest point, and is named for the puffins that famously nest along its cliff tops, Lund being the Old Norse word for puffin. Now, as you'll hear, previous inhabitants minted puffins upon a local currency, puffins upon the famous postmark that takes letters to the mainland, and puffins upon the souvenir memorabilia available within the island's only village store. But, as you'll hear in my discussions with the island's warden and deputy warden, Rosie Ellis and Stuart Cossey, there is much more to the natural history of Lundy than that eponymous seabird and its totemic colourful bill. Well, Lundy is the home of rare corals, pygmy shrews, endangered migratory seabirds and even a cabbage that exists nowhere else on the entire planet. So close your eyes and join me and Lundy's wildlife wardens on a chilly, albeit sunny morning in March, seated out on the clifftops of the island's east coast, looking out across the sea to the British mainland. This is Trees A Crowd, and this is a very small snapshot of my wonderful adventure on Lundy.
1: In the depth of the forest, an old oak grew, the pride of the greenwood there. O'er his branches, the ivy, her mantle threw when the forest boughs were bare. Oh, the oak and the ivy, oh, the oak and the ivy, oh. My name is Rosie Ellis, and I'm the warden on Lundy Island.
0: What is a Lundy Island?
1: (laughs) Um, So Lundy Island is a fairly small lump of granite, about 11 miles off the coast of North Devon, just on the edge of the Atlantic Ocean, and just where the Bristol Channel really begins. So
0: it's part of the British Archipelago?
1: Yes, we are, we, (laughs) um, yeah...
0: (laughs) I say that as a leading we see, we, question. We
1: recognise the Queen as our monarch, and <laughs> which is
0: not always a thing on this island, from what I've heard.
1: Um. So I think so. There was Martin Coles Harmon who wanted to become kind of the King of Lundy. He always recognised. Um, the monarch of the UK as as the monarch of Lundy, but wanted it to be more of its kind of own self-governing island, and he did get into a little bit of trouble with having his head on the coins which he created, mm-hmm. the puffins. So he, uh, I think he represented himself um, at the court case and was uh, got a bit of a slap on the wrist. He lost, didn't he? Yeah, but he's um, so so. The puffins puffin coins were taken out of circulation and are now no longer legal tender, but they do fetch um, some money on eBay. <laughs>
0: um, I. I have a couple with me. I oh probably, wow! me cut this out. This is as far as my research goes, or I did. They're in my other coat. I don't have them with me. But it's it's kind of brilliant. I spoke a bit of, to Stew about it, and he's he's a hell of a character. I mean, I think if you are going to mint your own coins and mm-hmm. you are going to defend yourself against the crown in a court of law, <laughs> you've got to have some audacity. What happened to him? Why is he not here anymore?
1: He, um, he died, so um, his family then took over the island after, after he passed away and then eventually they sold, um, well, they put the island on the open market and there was lots of different interested parties. Mm-hmm. The rumours now are like that um, Scientologists thought it was going to be turned into a casino or <laughs> all of these wild stories that might have happened had the National Trust and the Landmark Trust not worked together sure. to buy it for the nation.
0: I can't help but be a little bit disappointed that the National <laughs> Trust didn't want to turn it into the first island casino. It's, it's Macau, let's all head across to the island.
1: Yeah, I think um, just because we're 11 miles rather than 12, it means we still have to pay council tax. Really? We st- yeah, we, so um, so we don't personally, but the island pays the council tax for us. We're part of Torridge. We are Devon. The bar still has to be licensed, etc., etc. et cetera. So we're just still within the 12-mile limit.
0: That's... An amazingly geeky fact, absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Everyone can turn off now being very happy that they've tuned in. Okay, so here's a question. How old is Lundy Island?
1: The island itself, the majority of it, is 59 million year old granite. So very young granite in comparison to the rest of Devon mm-hmm. um, that you might see up on Darkland, etc.
0: So we think a volcano or something like that?
1: So yeah, we think it's a, a magma chamber of a volcano that may or may not have erupted. Um, and then over millions of years it's been pushed up. And the slates and shales around it have gradually been worn away, but just the kind of southeastern side of the island remains, which is still slates and we've just um there's been some research done by the natural history Museum mm-hmm. into our slates, and they've recently found some fossils there
0: that was in um, the granite, not in the shale bit
1: in the in the shale, in the slates on okay. our southeastern side, so just that older bit of slates in our southeastern side um so so that's the older bit. So we think about um, 200 million years old for our slates.
0: Congratulations.
1: Yeah. So, so the <laughs> um, And then, yeah, they'll get a better number on that using the different species that they find.
0: Sure. What did they find?
1: They just found um, some fish scales um, and possibly shark's teeth as well. Um, so they're still doing some research on that and the paper's due to be published next year, which is really lovely to get some really kind of cutting-edge science. Good. The island's been studied with a fine tooth comb for many many years by lots of different experts so it's always if you get a new species it's always a bit of a pat on the back
0: yeah on your watch as well yeah (laughs) hopefully if they find something rare and you they might get named after you (laughs) how long have people inhabited this island
1: so people have lived on the island for thousands of years um at different points there would have been smaller villages dotted around the island mm-hmm. so some far up as Coom, etc um, but the first um, signs of human habitation there's some well some flints were found um, just on on the east coast and we think at one point um, we were connected to the mainland and the sea level would have been lower and people could have used Lundy a bit like Ayres Rock looking out over the plain that was the Bristol Channel then. Are we talking
0: Mesolithic? When are we...?
1: Yeah, Mesolithic, yeah.
0: so a long time ago.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And there's a Bronze Age settlement somewhere, I haven't found it yet, I've been wondering but I haven't...
1: Yeah, so there's various various settlements um, but there's also Widow's Tenement
0: Yeah, which is up just past Halfway Wall. What's the weirdest name of the place on the
1: island? Oh, well, we've got lots of devils. So we've got Devil's Kitchen, Devil's Lime Kiln. Why is that? Uh, So Devil's Kitchen is really fantastic for rock pooling. So right now we just actually, we can see Rat Island from where we're sat. Um, (laughs) Another classic name. Yeah, well, I think, uh, so some people think it's named after the rats, which we used to have here. Uh But Rat Island also, to me, looks like a crouched rat. You can see it's just got kind of its hind leg there and then Mouse Island next to it, like a rat and a mouse cuddled up next to each other i mean <laughs>
0: i can yeah, i can i can sort of see what you're suggesting <laughs> i mean i'd have to be very generous i would suggest okay so i'd say it's a big rat a big black rat and maybe a pygmy shrew on the end oh right, yeah
1: i like that nose. yeah i can see the little snout now you see there you go, yeah see. okay I'll re- we'll rename it on the maps <laughs> um and then devil's kitchen is um just behind that in the gap between the main island and rat island itself uh-huh So, yeah, and then Devil's Lime Kiln is down on the the kind of closer to the southwestern tip of the island. Is
0: it just because people thought they might jump and die that it's named after the devil, or or does he visit, does he have a Lambert Trust annual visit
1: (laughs) from the Oldenburg? I went on holiday to North Devon, and there's another, there's a spit of land that goes out, and they said the devil was trying to dig a causeway to Lundy and then gave up (laughs) because his shovel broke. Um. Well,
0: he's famed for being lazy without
1: his tools. Yeah.
0: Um, so how long have you inhabited at Lundy? How long have you been here now?
1: Um, so I've been here just over two and a half years now. Um, so I came um, in August time, just um, in kind of peak season, just the tail end of peak season, mm-hmm. to catch the last of the snorkel safaris. And then um, yeah, I've been here over various lockdowns, etc. And then just uh, recently took on the warden position mm-hmm. after my predecessor left. So I was originally the assistant warden and education officer.
0: Have you noticed across lockdown... So in uh, Yosemite, they found that during lockdown, bears and wolves got braver and came closer to what were the sort of... Hotels and holiday cottages and whatever, have you found that wildlife has returned closer to the normally more inhabited areas?
1: Um, yep, so uh, marine-wise we did get um, a lot of sightings of dolphins and porpoise. We even had a minky whale in the landing bay. Amazing! So, um, and I know that's been seen kind of worldwide, um, mm-hmm. more sightings, um, but we do still get them, every sightings every year, um, especially from the Oldenburg. That's the
0: boat that brings people yes. across from the mainland. Yes.
1: Yes. Um, so you would have been treated to sailing yesterday, mm.
0: and I might be treated to be sailing back on it tomorrow. Yeah, it might be a depending l- <laughs> on if the snow and the storms come in and have to get flown off the <laughs> might island. Be a
1: tad choppier tomorrow, so uh, maybe some ginger biscuits tomorrow for <laughs> you. But hopefully, hopefully dolphins on the way back. And then we did have um, our sea deer, which are, of course not native. They're Japanese species, so the sea deer did start coming right into the village. Mm-hmm mixed in with the lambs as well (laughs) lovely um and then i think some at one point they had to be chased out the allotment (laughs) and then we also had some um birds nested closer to footpaths than they otherwise would have done
0: which isn't massively ideal really i guess
1: well yeah not so um If they're susceptible to disturbance, then um, because there was only relatively few of us, about 24 people on the island, they maybe wouldn't choose to nest that close. Now we have more people walking on the path.
0: So, okay. so what is your background? What, What specialism do you bring? If Stuart, your deputy warden, is birds, what are mm-hmm.
1: you? Um, so I love, love, love all of the marine side of things.
0: Love, 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 is that a technical term? That's
1: a technical term, uh-huh. yes. So I wouldn't I wouldn't declare myself a marine biologist, um, but so I'm a bit, bit of an all-rounder, so I studied um, terrestrial and marine um, ecology, but now, kind of, from my experience, lots of engagement work and lots of marine work as well.
0: The Lambert like likes to describe Lundy as Britain's own Galapagos. Mm-hmm okay so here's the challenge right convince me that the (laughs) the marine life surrounding Lundy is as good as that of the
1: galapagos (laughs) okay so we already mentioned the minke whale. i mean that's i don't think the galapagos has minkies yeah
0: (laughs) call in if you know otherwise
1: yeah i have to check so we have um a fantastic array of lots of different habitats in a really small area so we've got Two hundred and fifty species of algae that live that live here.
0: So you've started with algae. Convince yeah, me it's because of the yeah. And you kick but off with of algae. Some are
1: incredibly beautiful. <laughs> beautiful eyelash weed as well. Beautiful. Le- uh, legitimately, its actual name. <laughs> um, and then we also have lots of, of corals here. Mm-hmm. So we've got um, sunset cup corals, which are more of a Mediterranean species, only found in a few places. Then we also have um scarlet and gold cup corals that you can actually see when you're rock pooling, which is really unusual to have them um, visible um, in the intertidal zone. Then, of course, we've got our pink sea fans, mm-hmm. which um, are really, really, really beautiful. can grow incredibly large over a long period of time. And lots of divers love to go and dive down and see them. And then our no-take zone helps to conserve them as well.
0: Well, you've hit on, hit on something there. It's because of the rarity of some of the species under there that there's a no-take zone. Was it the first no-take zone around the British Isles?
1: Yep, so in two thousand and three we we're a bit of a pioneer in terms of our marine conservation. Mm-hmm. So there's just it's not the whole of the area around the island, it's just a really small area about a kilometre offshore from the east coast that you um there's no taking of anything, so not even lobster potting. Sure. Which is it's still only one of three. It's really, really unusual to have that. Do you know where the two are? uh, There's one Flamborough head, I believe, Mm -hmm. and I'm not sure about the other one.
0: (laughs) And it was the first statutory marine nature reserve. As well in 1986, I think that was May.
1: Um, so yeah, we had we were first of all there was lots of divers who loved to come to Lundy and they could see lots of Pink Sea fans being taken to put on people's mantelpieces um, and a little bit. I think bit my of...
0: grandmother had one.
1: Oh my goodness! I know. <laughs> They do look beautiful. I see why people would want to yeah. want to have them there. But, of course, when they're taken, um, that can be 50 years' worth of growth, which is just wiped out. Lots of people might look at them and think that they're a plant mm-hmm. rather than an animal. So they think they're just going to grow back really quickly. So that's part of the reason why the voluntary marine conservation area was set up, um, to try and um, stop people from,
0: coming in and taking yeah. it away. So what else? You've got grey seals down there. Mm-hmm. They're very friendly. They waved at me when I came oh, in. Oh,
1: they're having a little itch, were they? Yeah,
0: they were. Well, no, they were, they were saying hi, surely, rather than just scratching themselves.
1: <laughs> so yeah, so um, this time of year, we probably only have around about 100 or so. But in the autumn, our numbers swell to um, around about 250, if not more. And they come here to pop specifically in all of our inaccessible sea caves and some of our beaches as well. So they'll come from all over the southwest um, and commute to Lundy (laughs) as it's the place to be for breeding season.
0: Um, So one of the things I know you're planning to do as the person who loves, loves, loves the marine (laughs) of Lundy is you've got a marine festival coming up. Is there a definite objective to that or is it just to celebrate everything that is here?
1: Um, yeah, so well, one of, to celebrate all of marine life is one objective, but also there's been a real lack of research into the no-take zone and the marine protected area more widely. Um, so after the no-take zone was introduced, there was a study in the, to the population of lobster and, um, and brown crab or edible crab, um, and it showed that the no-take zone indeed did have a very beneficial effect. Who on knew
0: that if you didn't fish or trawl or damage an area that, that wildlife would yeah groundbreaking
1: I mean, that's amazing so. <laughs> science
0: and <in> action that
1: <laughs> yeah but it's always good to actually get some baseline figures and to show that it has yeah. actually had a benefit and then since then that first kind of five-year study there's been very little so that's what the marine festival is trying to yeah trying to to address that lack of research now
0: Great, and hopefully you'll have a return of basking sharks.
1: <laughs> yeah, just in, just and... in time for the marine festival. Just in time. The last one we seen in
0: twenty nineteen. Yes,
1: yeah, so that was a really really unusual um, sighting um, in December. I had three people not all seen it individually, it probably would have um, been laughed off and never been accepted as a sighting. But we used to have basking sharks sighted very um, commonly from from the island in the summer months. But um, over over the last few years, um, that's really declined, um, and we think that. That's um, so. Of course, basking sharks are a vulnerable, declining species mm-hmm. of um, sometimes 12 metre long fish, but they are ha- they are still about. They're all still spotted in Scotland and Cornwall and, and Devon as well. Lots of the coast of Ireland as well, mm, at the Yeah. yeah so um, we just think that they might be shifting where they're migrating, or maybe even whereabouts in the water column. But hopefully, hopefully, we will have them returned one day if eventually populations start to recover from being hunted in the 1970s, etc.
0: So as well as, hopefully, um, basking sharks coming about, there are sunfish, there are leatherback turtles, and here's a quote that I found on the internet, which said... The idea was to ask a Lundy collaborator to give up some of their spare time to roam the island collecting samples of dung to dispatch to me by post. (laughs) However, I was delighted when Warden Rosie Ellis kindly volunteered to do it and she looked out for samples on her Lundy walks. In December, I received a parcel of dung samples in plastic bags an early Christmas present from Rosie. So, as well as interesting fish and spiny lobsters, etc., why is the dung special? And how long were you going around picking up poo? <laughs>
1: um, so, that's, that message there is from John Hedger, who's um, one of many incredibly knowledgeable members of the Lundy Field Society.
0: Does he specialise in poo? Um,
1: so, he specialises in fungi. Mm-hmm. So, he'll tell you many times if you ever go to one of his talks, which I highly recommend. Um, he's a fun guy. Um, oh. <laughs> Um, and he's got so he's just absolutely incredibly knowledgeable, and he's written a specific book on fungi on Lundy. Lundy fungi. Yes, yeah, cl- a classic. um <laughs> <laughs> Don't don't forget to get your copy available in the shop,
0: <laughs> along with giant cuddly puffin toys.
1: Yes, yes. Um, and he's since he's found the book, he's he finds about thirty new species every time he every time he comes to Lundy. But he's now just over seven hundred, he thinks, of species of fungi on Lundy. And he hasn't even started on the fungi which live um, in the kind of um, more aquatic side of things. Sure. So that's his next job: is the thousands of species which he could possibly discover. <laughs> so this um, he was actually searching, um, doing the genetics in the um, dung <laughs> to find out. Um, Normally he's
0: here collecting it himself i presume it was just covid that meant that he yes. couldn't yeah yeah so how he's... much poo did you send him
1: um not very much just a few a few rabbit droppings a few goat droppings did he um, get the famous
0: Lundy postmark
1: on he did he... yes yes, <laughs> yes. I also um, I also sent my sister some toilet paper um, because, of course, everybody was panicked buying toilet paper. So she got some toilet paper and paracetamol.
0: With the Lundy postmark? <laughs> With mark. the Lundy
1: postmark, yeah.
0: Imagine it. We ran out of, of toilet paper on the mainland. The only secret stash was hidden away
1: Oh, yeah. I felt really guilty. We had stacks <laughs> of it because we were all prepared for the season. <laughs> so hundreds of people coming and loads of toilet paper.
0: Wonderful. So as well as having a stash of toilet rolls, um, you're also hoping that Lundy's going to become special for another reason, which is bird official bird observation status. Is that what you'd say?
1: Um, so it's um, a bird observatory. Okay sometimes when people hear that they think it's a building mm-hmm. um but it's a status rather than a building and there's 25 dotted about the country we used to be one um and then we we lost our status because there wasn't uh, there wasn't the budget to have a bird warden here um who could count all of the passage coming past mm-hmm. so there's a bird observatory council And you just apply for the status so we are hoping in the next few months that we will again um, hopefully have our rightful place as a bird observatory and that just means that um, pretty much every day during um, important migration times we'll walk the island a certain section of the island counting all the migrants that we see so some days that might just be a few blackbirds pushing north and then other days that might be 40 bramblings or hoopoe you don't know what you're going to see
0: Or or if you do it this morning like I did with Stu, you don't see much because of the fog. Oh no! (laughs) He has a a keen ear, so he heard so much more than I thought was audible, but he's younger than me, so maybe his ears are just working (laughs) slightly better.
1: I think it's like a superpower, isn't it? You need to (laughs) get get your ear in.
0: So I, as I understand it, there's been a, You've been doing it for a couple of years already as a sort of like probationary period, sort of warm So is it three years you need to be observing it before you can get accreditation? Yeah. So
1: I mean, we've um, the island has had some form of data collection since the 70s but mm-hmm. it's just making sure that um we're doing it more reliably sure. and we're submitting it to the right places um so we've been doing that now in in their format for 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 two years now so um yeah, yeah. so hopefully well, fingers crossed we'll have a big big ceremony or something
0: super well that <laughs> that gives me a great segue to say that tonight i'm going to go out with Stuart to look for for some manx shearwaters
1: uh, brilliant
0: so um yeah, if my editor does a job correctly, um, <laughs> the passage of time will be seamless. <laughs> OK, so it's about half past eight in the evening. We're sitting out on the cliffside um, on Lundy Island. It's dark and we're wearing our head torches. And
2: we're here to find a bird. Yes, so um, we're hopefully going to hear some Manx shielders um, arriving back into their burrows for the night. So Lundy
0: Island is famous for its puffins. So, I mean, the name Lundy means puffin island in the Old Norse. Lund means puffin and E means island. And the island belonged to a guy called Harmon, who made a currency called the Puffin. He had his own coins minted the Puffin and the Half Puffin. So why aren't we looking for
2: puffins? So I actually think Manx Shielders are more interesting Every year they migrate to the seas off South America and they'll come back to the UK to breed. So, actually, uh, about 90% of the world population of Manx shearwaters is in the UK. Okay. And Lundy is special because it's um, England's biggest population. So, most of the Manx shearwaters breed on Welsh islands, such as is Skokum and Skoma, and up in Scotland as well. And for the pedants
0: who are listening, and I'm sure there are many, they are actually puffins in a way their
2: their latin name is puffinus puffinus so that actually comes from the old english puffin meaning sort of cured shearwater meat so actually the the puffin as we know it actually got its name a lot later than the manx shearwater so the common name manx shearwater so shearwaters are a group of bird that are quite closely related to the albatross so okay. they're part of the uh, tube-nose family so the tube-nose is Basically, because they don't get any fresh water, it's all salt water, they sort of have this little nostril on top of their beaks mm-hmm. and they sort of secrete this salty mucus out of their beaks. Why do they... Just to get rid of the salt from the system? Yeah. No? Just, and then shear water comes from the way they fly. So they sort of look like they sort of shear the, shear the um, water with their wings. And the manx comes from the Isle of Man. So unfortunately, they're pretty much extinct on the Isle of Man. Why is that? So they nest in burrows... So they pretty much um, everything got eaten by rats and cats and everything that sort of men brought to the island, basically. Well, that brings me to a good question about Lundy and why it's been so successful with
0: not only Manx water numbers going up but also puffin numbers going up. You don't have
2: any rats here. Yes, yeah, so um, it got to the point back in the 1980s that there were sort of ten breeding pairs of puffins left and then in the early 2000s in... Collaboration with the R S P B there was a big uh, seabird recovery project. So there are about two thousand rat poison st- stations across the whole island. And then in f- four years he managed to completely get rid of all the rats. So that was really good for all the ground nesting birds and seabirds. Not so good for the rats though. Not so good for the rats. And there were it was the brown and black rats, wasn't it? Yeah, so um so some nice rare rats. Well, black rats are, yeah, sort of quite <laughs> rare in um, the UK, so there were some complaints about uh-huh. getting rid of the, the endangered black rat, but... They exist in healthy numbers elsewhere, so yeah, not exactly. too bad. Whereas, yeah, manx shields and puffins are more isolated from where they can breed. So were the shearwater numbers down as low as the puffin numbers were back then? Yeah, so it's difficult to census manx waters because they're coming at night, Okay. and the way we census them is um, quite interesting, so... During the day they'll be in their burrows and they won't go out, so we basically count all the burrows on the island and then we do something called callback. So we play their calls down the burrows and we wait for a response and then we know there's a Manx shearwater in there and then using that we can sort of estimate what the population is. So, I mean that leads me to a very good question, what noise does a Manx shearwater well, hopefully we'll hear it later. Could you give me a, like a, an a <laughs> My advance? best impression. Please do. It goes something like this.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I th- that was splendid. Um, you can tell a lot about a man by how readily they're prepared to imitate their favourite bird to a complete stranger <laughs> at 8.30 in the evening with their head torch on. <laughs> that was fantastic. You. Um, CDs are available
2: in the gift shop. Is there any
0: risk of Rats and predators coming back?
2: Yeah, so it's always a massive scare. So, Rosie and I always have sort of nightmares about it happening, fever dreams. <laughs> but every month we check some monitoring boxes. So, we've got um, 75 bait boxes across the island, mostly around the village and the landing bay where the boats come in, because those are sort of the hot spots. And these bait boxes are effectively a mix of cocoa and uh, candle wax. And then we just check those and we can see it's quite obvious if a rat or a mouse has gnawed it. So the only sort of resident uh, mammal on the island is the pygmy shrew. Mm-hmm. And they usually a lot smaller teeth marks than rats and mice do. I hear they don't really like the cocoa either.
0: They prefer to go for sort of cheese and things like that that the yeah. landmark trust paying guests leave behind just so they can see the pygmy shrews run across their floorboards.
2: Well, there's, a lo- there's definitely um, a lot of guests that are terrified of the pygmy shrews. But... <laughs> It's when they're running around the tavern and people start screaming.
0: I think they're one of the cutest little... Oh, I almost
2: said they're not a rodent, are they? No, they're more related to... um, Hedgehogs. Hedgehogs, and even elephants, actually. They're more related to elephants than they are to... I knew that. Rodents.
0: There's a fossilised remains of a giant shrew. It's quite amazing. It looks just like a shrew, but it's about the sort of size of a, a dining table. I feel like we're missing out on great things like that. Right, let me set up some kit and we'll see if we can record the sound of a shearwater
2: what time do you think they'll come back from the sea um, it's starting to get dark enough so they might start slowly arriving in now should I turn my torch off then yeah indeed. well if you set a bit with the a torch on <laughs> <laughs> so you don't fall off a cliff <laughs> and we never
0: saw him again
2: so the reason um Mank's shield has come in on, only on the darkest nights so they're amazing out at sea. And most people, have only, if they have ever seen them at all, is out at sea. You mm-hmm. sort of see a flash of black and a flash of white as they sort of flip over the waves. Sheer over the water. You exactly. <laughs> Sorry. But which means they're absolutely terrible on land. So they're perfect designed for the sea. So their legs are right at the back of their body, perfect for swimming. They've got these long um, wings, but on land they sort of just flop around. It's a technical term. It is technical. Yeah, <laughs> uh, effectively like a fish out of water. <laughs> yes, yeah, so they only come in the darkest nights to avoid predation. So things like ravens, peregrines, gulls will easily pick them off if they came in during the day. Are there any nice things about gulls? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, <laughs> a herring a herring gull in adult plumage in a place where it's meant to be on the cliffs is quite nice. When it's sort of in the town centre, eating chips, it's a bit <laughs> out of place. Going to the slots and doing some crabbing. They just shouldn't be there. Yeah. But it's amazing, really. So they all come back to the same borough every year. Like puffins? Yeah, like puffins. Do they pair off with one other puffin like puffins do? Or do they... Yeah, so they'll be the breed for life until the other one dies and then they're not fussy. <laughs> <laughs> until a gull comes along and whips out their wife and yeah. devours them do well, you say that. I've seen a, a great black back gull eat a puffin and it literally can just flip him inside out. It's a bit brutal. Where
0: were you watching that here?
2: No, we we're on my previous island, on Bardsey. Which is off North Wales. I wish I could say the sentence on my previous island. <laughs> yeah. Great black gulls are just terrifying predators.
0: How many pairs of peregrines have you got on the island? Uh, Your current island, I should
2: say. <laughs> About five. So they're all round the coast. But um, they particularly like gear, yeah, the seabird colonies.
0: I oh, my stomach rumbling. That's the game pie made from Lundy's finest venison. I saw the Seeker de- uh, deer out a moment ago, actually. I felt a bit apologetic.
2: <laughs> no, we need to keep the numbers down. We'll protect the. Um, I was doing Louis my Huntington. I was doing my bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, conservation
0: hero. Locally sourced, ethically produced meat, trying to protect the Lundy cabbage from being removed from, from the world.
2: Yeah. So there is one specimen in Bristol Zoo, but that's about it.
0: This might be the first time I've mentioned the Lundy cabbage on this podcast, so I'm afraid you now have to tell us what the Lundy cabbage is.
2: So the Lundy cabbage is an endemic species. Endemic basically means it doesn't grow anywhere else in the world, and it's a bit like all sea rape, sort of cabbage family. Big brassica, probably, yeah, grows quite big. Yellow flowers, hairy stems, and then there's also two other endemic beetles. So there's a lundy cabbage flea beetle, and the lundy cabbage weevil, and they're basically just sort of tiny, almost insignificant little black beetles. I love a weevil.
0: I had a rumour that. You have to pay £2,000 if you eat any of the
2: Lundy cabbage. Yeah, so it is specially protected, because obviously it's um, not growing right in the world. Have you eaten any? No, of course not. If
0: I were to press pause now and ask you, have you eaten any, what would you say? No.
2: However, <laughs> there was a researcher that was given permission by Natural England to do some genetic studies and stuff on the leaves. So afterwards he obviously tasted some. And it said it's like triple distilled Brussels sprouts, so it's not worth two thousand pounds. One. Have you heard of the
0: Victorian zoologist Frank Buckland? I haven't. No. He believed that learning about all of God's great animals had to include tasting all of God's great animals. So uh, whenever London Zoo got a new specimen, and it passed away, he'd be there. <laughs> I hear you've got a dead tiger. Do you mind if I uh,
2: just take a little bit home? Well, a lot of the old um, bird records in the UK are sort of just things that were shot. Because if they didn't know what something was, they'd shoot it and then find out what it was. Mm-hmm. So all these rare birds records are sort of just like, one was shot over here because they didn't know what it was. So they killed it. <laughs> I can't hear any shear water yet.
0: Mm. This is the night they don't come, right?
2: No, it's really dark. They'll come. <laughs>
0: Maybe if you did that call again. (laughs) Rosie described it as part T Rex, part zombie. Absolutely. I
2: didn't think that was very fair. No. Everdinner was saying it's a bit like Kate Bush. If Kate Bush was a bird, she'd be in Manxia water. (laughs) Who said that? Everdinner Sue.
0: (laughs) I imagine that's the kind of game you play when you're on an island for a number of years. Trying to work out which popular figure. (laughs) It would be the animal equivalent of the things that you've got on your, on your habitat. Well, you've got to come up with some sort of entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here's a test. I don't normally have props. Hang on, I'm gonna go into my bag. Can you tell me what this bird call is? Is that Ida? And that's your nemesis, it's the puffin. <laughs> this is my daughter's puffin. It makes uh, sense. I'm sorry. That's supposed to be the call of a puffin. I'll get my pop out. Come on, you you out puffing my daughter's puffin. Was in case they didn't see a puffin, I brought a cuddly toy version here. you <laughs> good sit on the cliffs. Yeah. Mm. Oh, no, they look just like your toy, dear. Just Collins. Yeah. It's more like that. That sounds like my puffin, but doing a poo.
2: Yeah. That's the they puffin, but they only call cool when they're in the burrows, so so yeah, you'd have don't, to get that, don't really't don't don't really, really hear them, so in the evenings, I was actually a sort of raft off the island and then wait just waiting for it to get dark' to before coming in until it's safe until it's safe yeah. until no one's recording them <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's that bloody podcaster out there. Peregrines don't hunt at night, though, do they?
2: They can do. Yeah.
0: I mean, I know they've got those amazing pupils that can basically see anything anywhere at any time, even in the past or the future.
2: Well, things like hobbies have been known to sort of hunt bats at dusk.
0: If it didn't get dark enough,
2: would they just stay out there? Yeah, so full moons and stuff, they just don't come in. So you can actually tell roughly when the eggs are going to hatch. So you can work out when the first shields came in sort of time it from the sort of in dark new moon and then you go about 60 days ahead which is out on the incubate for quite a long time Mm -hmm. and then that's when the eggs will hatch so we've actually set up a few um artificial nest boxes so the burrows are quite deep and windy so you can't always get your arm down so if you want to do sort of productivity and see how many nestings are actually uh, there are or how they're doing it's a lot easier to put a nest box in mm-hmm. so we'll check those let's all work out how many are fledging do you ring them when they're little? yeah so you can ring them at all ages so because they're so useless on land you can just go in and pick them up hmm. it takes a bit of talent so do you have that talent? I do <laughs> yeah. so you sort of go up behind them and then you just grab them before they can take off um, Who taught you the, uh, the knack? It's not that difficult. You get a lot of <laughs> pra- if you get if you do get a lot. You get a lot of practice, and you look a bit stupid, and uh, something that's so terrible on land sort of gets away from you and sort of just flops away, um, and you try and run after it. But then the other times they sort of come in, in the dark and hit you. So <laughs> they're increasingly becoming one of my favourite birds so um, yeah being out at night trying to ring one and then one just flew into my arms <laughs> or just yeah you're sitting there and one hits you in the back of the head what's the furthest to field you've heard from your birds
0: as in from another ringer who's found your bird with a ring on it and called you so after?
2: they're usually mate with mount shields they usually band washed up in brazil and argentina washed up in a negative yeah not a, sense. not a life sense yes what's their life expectancy sir? So the oldest one ever found was 50 years old. Oh wow! Five zero, yeah. So seabirds live a long life. So even puffins can live to about 30 years. <laughs> even there. puffins. Even puffins. Yeah. 30 years old. Is that because they glide
0: rather than flap lots, and so have a slightly so, slower mena- metabolism?
2: Yes, it's about their egg-laying habits. So they only have one chick a year. Mm-hmm. So they put all their effort into one egg, rather than, for example, blue tits put... Blue tits put, um, have like sort of up to 14 eggs, so they're using a lot of energy and having a lot of stress, looking after 14 chicks, and so they don't live as long. Poor blue tits. A bird that you're also unlikely to
0: see on the island. Yeah.
2: You can see why um sailors used to think islands are haunted when they'd come in at night and sort of hear these eerie sounds.
0: Especially with the flappy dollops that come at your feet. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and the flash of white underneath, yeah. You know. So there's no way of telling the difference between male and females in waters? Uh-huh. Um, but the call of the female is meant to be a bit, a bit hoarser and they've, they've smoked more cigarettes so late Kate Bush as opposed to early Kate Bush.
0: <laughs> have you just picked up a Shearwater? hello little guy
2: that's amazing I heard him land or her land so this one hasn't got a ring on it. No, ring, no. So you can see their legs are thinner, like that, mm-hmm. which is um, why they're so well designed for swimming. So when you put a ring on their legs, you've got to shape it so that it's not a circle, and it's more sort of oval shaped.
1: He's
0: so calm.
2: So what we'll do is um, we'll put a ring on this one and then let it go. flops
0: so there you have it a brief insight into the wonderful wildlife of Lundy thank you to Rosie and Stuart for being my guides for the four days I spent on the island truth be told I was supposed to only be there for two nights but the weather turned and I was literally marooned very cool but huge apologies to the home fires that were kept burning in my absence now If you want to visit Lundy, and why wouldn't you, go check out the Landmark Trust's website. And it is worth saying that although the island is small, a day trip really isn't enough time to see everything. To get into rhythm with the island's blissfully slow pace of life, it is best to stay a few nights. You can even book the island's castle or Lundy's old lighthouse. And what better time to visit than during the Lundy Marine Festival, which runs from the 14th of July for two months. And then you too can see all the good work that Rosie, Stewart and all the members of the Lundy Field Society are doing on that amazing slice of land. Links to details and all of the above are available on our website, treesacrowd.fm. Also, if you want to hear how Rosie and Stu answered the usual 3 Trees of Crowd questions, there is a short bonus episode over on the Trees of Crowd Patreon page. As always, thank you to my very patient editor Ollie, and special thanks this week to Amy at Landmark who made all of this possible. We'll have a normalish episode next month, but until then, thank you for listening and get yourselves to Lundy. Bye-bye.
1: Oh, the oak and the Oh, candy, I oh.
2: This podcast is produced by OG Podcasts. Find out more at ogpodcasts.co.uk